Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here today with the original anesthesia nerd, the one and only Tasha McNerney, and she is fantastic. As usual, we are talking about the block cat and running effective anesthesia and pain control in those emergency cases. Guys, we see a lot of these in the vet clinic. They are an emergency, and we want to do right by our patients as far as making them as comfortable as possible while we do uncomfortable things to save their life. Gang, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, the one and only Tasha McNerney. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How is everything? It's things are things are good. Rolling into the spring. Uh exciting. Yeah, exciting times around here. Uh, getting getting close to the summer break. The kids are the kids are starting to, you know, to make plans for what they're gonna do this summer. Um I, I got a load of mulch from my garden and that makes me happy so yeah, that's, <laughs> you know you that's know you're thing. an adult when you're oh, yeah. excited about mulch right oh and yeah you, like, uh, what type of mulch are you a red mulch person are you a brown mulch person oh, it's, it's, are you it's, a black it's mulch brown person? mulch yeah okay yeah yeah so. it's the it's the double brown mulch yeah mm. it is yeah wait the hummingbirds will be back soon and <laughs> that is where i am in my life i mean Listen, my husband is, uh, you know, um, out there feeding the birds every morning, and he's very concerned about the birds. He likes to watch the birds. He likes to tell me how many birds are in the backyard, whether or not there's a chipmunk with the birds, if he saw a rabbit outside. I mean, these are the things that we get excited you about married, now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You married well, you, a cat. Yeah, I did. I did marry a crazy cat lady, and that's totally fine. <laughs> I love cat. him. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's excited about birds. You know, choosing a high quality bird seed is very important. And we used to be cool. Like we used to go out on Saturday nights, and now we're like, um, so righteous gemstones and researching bird feeder options. Yes, that's a Saturday night. Yeah. To- okay. We need to spend more time together because one <laughs> righteous gemstones for the win. I I, I oh, love that. It's a guilty pleasure show. I love that show. And then number two, this was the first time in my life I have ever walked into a like a Lowe's and looked at the different bird seeds and thought, Ugh, who would feed that? <laughs> I, mean, I never had the thought like that in my life. I'm like, what has the pandemic done to me? It has made me. I'm like, ooh, pfft, this is the cheap yeah. stuff. I'm not vegan. Yeah. What have I become? Good God. All right. Let's, let's, let's write this. Let's write this shit. Let's talk about other things besides bird seed and righteous gemstone. Let's talk about block cats. Yeah. The, the other part, the other part of the trifecta of, of things that are, uh, that are super cool. All right. Uh, I have a case. Uh, Tasha, you are, first of all, for those of you who don't know, you are the uh, founder of Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds, which is a Facebook group and also a conference now and so many things. For anyone who's interested in anesthesia, you should really check out uh, Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds. Uh, Where's the best place for people to find information on that group? So our Facebook group is probably where we are the most active, where we talk about cases every day and run through cases, equipment, etc. We also have a website that you guys can check out, and then we have have since partnered with DVM 360. So a lot of our content and articles from the administrators, myself, Stephen Sital, Darcy Palmer, all VTSs in anesthesia, we have a lot of articles on uh, DVM 360 that you can find there as well for different anesthesia topics. 
That's awesome. All right, cool. I've got it. I've got it. I'm going to toss you a softball today because I just want to make sure that I am up on my game. Yeah. It's, um, I just want to make sure that I'm doing it right. It's one of those questions like, just make sure that nothing has changed in, in how I'm doing this. Uh, make sure that I'm, I've got all the pearls, uh, that I need to do a really good job. I have a four year old male neutered domestic short hair named Hercules Mulligan. And, um, he is obstructed. He's come in. Uh, he was training in the in the litter box. His owners, who are huge uh, Hamilton fans, uh, brought him <laughs> in, and uh, they were like, "He's you know he's he's crying. He's in the litter box. You know I feel his belly. I know immediately what's going on. This guy is obstructed. I have uh, I've pulled some blood on him. I'm checking my electrolyte levels, making sure that that nothing is super wonky there, uh, and he he seems to be okay." Aside from starting IV fluids, things like that, I need to go ahead and get this cat unblocked. And I don't want this to hurt. And I also want to get him pliable and easy to work with. And so, again, he is an otherwise healthy, uh, middle-aged, young to middle-aged male cat. Um, Help me with my anesthesia, analgesia protocol here so that he is comfortable and I can do what I need to do as quickly as possible. Sure. So first of all, anesthesia, I mean, it's it's definitely about drugs, but it's not all about drugs. And we know with mm-hmm. some of the more um, uh, kind of progressive ways, at least in the last 10 years, and what I have seen and probably you've seen in practice as well, is that we don't just like go into drugs. We want to take stock of kind of where the patient is at. Um, kind of like where with their own fear and anxiety. So how scared is okay. this cat, right? So how upset is he with being at the vet? How fearful is he? How reactive is he? And that is is really going to play a lot into what I do next. If he is very okay. like fearful, if he is very fearful and painful, um, then I'm probably going to go with some IM sedation. I don't want to. Re- I don't want to take this cat that is potentially again very fearful, very painful, obviously. If anyone here has ever went on a very, very long car ride and had just a, you know, overextended bladder that's getting very uncomfortable, if you think about that times 10, this is what our patients are experiencing. So very uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to take that patient and then have to have our support staff kind of like sit on or muzzle or wrestle with this cat to try to get a catheter into them, an IV catheter into them. Stress is going to be the enemy right. for these patients. I mean, any cat that potentially has any underlying cardiac issue with, you know, potentially a hyperkalemic patient as this, we don't want to stress them. So stress is our enemy. So let's take sock. If he is a super love bug okay. cat and he's going to let me put an IV catheter in and facilitate that without uh, an IM injection or IM sedation, great. And then we can follow up with some IV analgesics, anesthetics, et cetera. But if he is saying, no, you guys, I've had enough. I've already had a crap day. I don't feel good. You're not going to like twist my arm to put an IV catheter in. No, then I'm probably going to sedate. And I love this option because just, just sedate the cat, right? Just, just give them drugs. We have lots of great drug options Mm -hmm. that we can give them. And first off, we want to look at our analgesics. Certainly, if you have a pure mu opioid in your practice, my favorite is methadone. But if you guys have hydro, you could consider hydro. Now, just remember, you might see some vomiting with the hydro. But if that's your heaviest hitter, go with that. I like a methadone combination. Again, if you don't have methadone, and you're like, oh, man, I only have butorphanol. Okay. Even though that's more of a sedative than an analgesic, go with that. So we want to combine an analgesic with a sedative. Now, sometimes, as people know, and if they've ever listened to me talk, they know that one of my favorite sedative analgesic combinations is opioid plus dexmedetomidine. 
This is not the patient I would probably choose for dexmedetonin because, again, we don't know exactly unless you've taken blood and evaluated his potassium levels. We don't know where that's at. I don't know if he is hyperkalemic and bradycardic and potentially already having some arrhythmias because of the urethral obstruction. So let's just assume maybe he is, and I just want to be very careful. So I'm going to take dexmedetomidine off the table. In a younger animal, a lot of times, especially if they're already stressed, I might, or sometimes I might combine midazolam or benzodiazepine. But in a younger animal that is already stressed, fearful, aggressive, et cetera, I'm probably not going to utilize midazolam because our benzodiazepines can kind of give them that excitatory reaction. And it's even more pronounced in younger patients. That's why, you know, for a lot of the anesthesiologists that I work with, if an animal is like under three years old, we're usually not hitting them with a benzodiazepine because it's going to ramp up that excitatory phase. Especially if you have a stressed cat, nothing's going to take them through the roof like a benzodiazepine. So I'm taking that off the table too. So what I'm left with okay. is you're usually, taking you're taking away all my favorite things. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> don't worry. We have I'm other like, oh, options. I'm running out. Of, I'm my. Yeah, my 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 medicine cabinet's looking looking yeah. kind of thin at this point, Tasha. Where are we <laughs> so going? we have other options, um, and the opioid is going to be kind of your heavy hitter. And if you want to, whatever okay. opioid you decide to use, I would just go a little higher on your dosing. And then, if you have alfaxalone in your practice, this is where alfaxalone can really shine. Because alfaxalone can be utilized IV or IM, we will usually combine the alfaxalone together with an opioid and then give that IM. So if this is a spicy kitty who we want to be very, very uh, cardiac friendly to, we usually combine opioid plus alfaxalone IM, let them sit in a nice, calm, quiet environment. And that means don't put them next to a dog that's recovering from surgery and potentially howling. Don't put them next to other cats that could stress them out. If you can put them as isolated and as quiet an environment as possible while they kind of calm down, let those drugs start simmering and working. Now, once those drugs have taken effect, or while the drugs are taking effect, I should say, that's the time that your staff should be gathering the supplies that are needed to unblock this cat. Now, whether or not you guys like a red rubber or you like a Foley or you like a Tomcat, personal preference, just Mm -hmm. have a list of things together so that your staff can work quickly. I always advise that I'm a big fan of checklists. I love an anesthesia checklist. I love a surgical checklist. So if you have a little page in your nursing binder that will just say, hey, for your urethral obstruction, this is what I want you guys to get out and ready. So that way, while that cat is simmering on its drugs, you know, hey, I'm going to go pull the fluids. I'm going to go pull out this, the um, supplies I need for a sacrococcygeal block. I'm going to go pull out everything the doctor might need to facilitate this unblocking, make it go as smooth as possible. So use that time while the cat is simmering on its drugs and its analgesics to gather everything. So that way you're not running around and, and kind of, you know, with a, with a spicy cat and a painful cat, it's always kind of a race against time with them, right? So like how much can I get done yeah. before their uh, stress catecholamines override the drugs I've given them and then they now I have to add in more. Hey guys, we're going to jump in with a couple of quick announcements. First off, if you have not head over to DrAndyRourke.com recently and signed up for the Dr. Andy Rourke newsletter, uh, you're missing out. Uh, what's on the podcast is uh, it's in our newsletters. I, I like to write letters in our news uh, in our newsletters. We've got uh, some great article stuff that comes out there. It is all really good stuff, and it's totally free right in your inbox. So DrAndyRourke.com, sign up for the newsletter. Also, 
On May 21st, we have a fan-freaking-tastic workshop over at Uncharted Veterinary Conference. It is virtual workshop. It is called Retain Your Team. Speak the languages of appreciation in your workplace with the one and only Dr. Tracy Sands. Guys, this is at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. It's a two-hour workshop on May 21st. It is free to Uncharted members. It is $99 to the public. If you are trying to get your staff to stick around, if you're trying to get your staff to be engaged, if you're trying to get your staff to feel like their work matters and you just you keep buying donuts, but it's just not having the same effect that it used to, it's time to do something different. It's time to learn about the languages of appreciation. We have a self-assessment so you can look and see uh, how you're doing and how you can make changes going forward. Guys, that's how we roll. May 21st, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Head over to UnchartedVet.com and click on Upcoming Events and you'll get all taken care of. Gang, let's get back into this episode. Talk to me a little bit about Alfaxalone um, IEM. That's not... That's not that's not a, a route that I've used a whole lot. So, so give me yeah. just a general idea of what, what are common side effects? Like what, what, what amount of time are we talking about? Like, just, just help me, help me feel out what to expect when I, when I go this route with a, say a, a methadone or a hydromorphone mixed with some alfaxalone. Sure. So alfaxalone is a pretty great drug. And then we know that we use it as an induction agent. We, you know, anesthesia people like to call it propofol mm-hmm. 2.0 because it gives you the same effects of propofol. Um, and when I say same effects, you know, we are, it's great induction agent, um, Alfaxalone in itself is a neurosteroid molecule, um, works on the GABA pathways, and it is going to function similarly to propofol. Um, and when I say that, you also are going to get hypotension the way you would with propofol. If you give it in a big bolus, you also can see apnea the way you do with propofol if you give it in a big bolus. But if we're talking about via the IM route, um, I like to think of it just kind of like as the cream in that Oreo cookie, bringing the opioid, like smoothing everything out together. Yes, I do use a lot of food references in a lot of my lectures. Love it. No, so I, I love like, it. You know, it kind of like your alfaxalone with the opioid together kind of makes this nice like combination for the patient. Because if we're just get relying on all opioid, we know that opioids by themselves are not usually sedating. And the amount of volume or migs per kg we'd have to give to really sedate a cat that's already painful and uh, spicy is a lot of opioid. And then we could be seeing opioid side effects, right? Bradycardia, et cetera, which we don't want. So if we combine our opioid with an alfaxalone, I am, alfaxalone is water soluble. So a much better option than something like diazepam, which hopefully people are not giving diazepam IM anymore. Um, But you can combine these two things in the same syringe, opioid plus alfaxalone, and give that. Usually for cats, uh, we are doing like one mg per kg, right? Um, Sometimes two, but usually one mg per kg of alfaxalone IM together with your opioid of choice. And you give them about 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm not saying that they are all the way out in the same way that they would be maybe with a dexmedetomidine or ketamine combination. But again, we're trying to avoid those cardioactive drugs in this patient. So they might be out enough that you can facilitate smooth IV catheter placement. And then once you have an IV catheter placed, you could top off with more alfaxalone, give them flow by oxygen, put all your monitors on, and then place the sacrococcygeal block and get ready to go. Yeah, cool. Talk to me a little bit about the sacrococcygeal block. Just give me some some best practices, tips. How do I want to set myself up for success with this? 
Oh man, this is one of my favorite blocks to talk about. Um, I, I like to talk about a lot of blocks, but if anything, the reason I really love sacred coccygeal blocks is that it doesn't have to, you don't have to work in a specialty practice or university. This is something that every general practice, you already have the supplies on your shelf to do this block. And it is gonna be a game changer when it comes to urethral obstruction cats. So the nice thing about the sacred coccygeal block is it is just 25 gauge, five-eighths inch needle, a one cc syringe. Um, you want to keep it as clean as possible. So if you can utilize sterile gloves, that is great. Um, and just some mm -hmm. stuff to scrub up the area. And it's kind of, again, dealer's choice with the drug. Some people like to use lidocaine. Some people like to use bupivacaine. I personally, in this patient in particular, will utilize lidocaine, a little more cost effective. And um, for this particular patient, lidocaine is going to last for a couple of hours. I could utilize bupivacaine and desensitize that area for the like six hours that bupivacaine could. But for most yeah. of these patients, once we relieve the obstruction, a lot of the pain will go away. And the nice thing about right. utilizing a lidocaine or a sacrococcygeal block is it is one of the very few drugs or route of drug administration that's going to completely cut off those signals going to the brain, right? So we know if you guys have ever had local anesthetic at the dentist or et cetera, if you've ever you know, childbirth and had an epidural, you know that it cuts off those signals going to the brain. So that way, when your doctor flips the cat over or puts the cat's feet forward or however their technique is, once they start trying to extrude that penis, with a sacro block on board, it's desensitized and the penis will often just come out of the prep use. There's no fiddling with it. There's no kind of like pulling on it, which causes a lot of irritation and inflammation. So we see right. a huge reduction in irritation and inflammation, a much faster uh, speed of unblocking and overall less anesthetic time for the patient. So for us, the sacrococcygeal block is very cost effective and very effective when it comes to pain management. All right. That makes that makes total sense. All right. Good. I, I feel I feel like I'm really set up uh, well for success here. What uh, what pitfalls do I need to look out for? Are there things that you see people get wrong? Are there mistakes that people make? Any uh, any common trips or traps that I should look out for? So for block cats, sure, <laughs> right? I think everybody's terrified of uh, tearing the urethra or, or something worse, Yeah, um, which certainly can happen. So I would say that if you are going to do anything, and I've, I've seen a couple like not great things happen, and usually it's when people are over aggressive or utilizing, the one I have seen is like utilizing uh, a stylet, kind of like a metal stylet to go inside the red rubber, oh, yeah. give it a little more oomph. But the problem is you give it too much oomph and it goes in and I have seen yeah. it tear that way. So just be careful if you're utilizing anything like that. Um, and these cases can be really frustrating. Um, if you feel like you're trying and trying and you're not getting anywhere um, and the patient's, you know, the tissue is just getting more inflamed, take a step back, ask a colleague if they want to step in. I think that has been really the yeah. biggest thing um, for me as a technician, since I'm usually monitoring the anesthesia and I'm watching the clinicians do this, if they're getting more frustrated and frustrated, they're going to put more um, pressure on that tissue. It's not a great yeah. <laughs> experience for anybody. So if you have a colleague, just say, hey, I am not having any luck with this. Do you think there's a technique? Because again, everybody goes to vet school in different places and learns from different people. So I have one doctor who really likes the Tomcat catheters. I have one doctor who really likes the olive tip catheters. So there might be a technique yeah. that you haven't learned or you haven't thought of. So instead of keep messing with that tissue, 
phone a friend, ask somebody to help. Yeah. It, you know, a lot of it's not even where you went to vet school. A lot of it's just what kind of day are you having? Like, oh, you know, yeah. like that's the, that's the classic <laughs> is some days like I just don't have it some days and some days I can throw it across the room and hit exactly where it needs to go. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't even think it's, it's often, you know, your, your training or your style, just some days it's just not your day and it's better just to uh, accept it and, and phone a friend before you end up, uh, before you end up in a hole. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, any final pearls, anything like that? Uh, any, yeah. Any last words of advice? Uh, no, I guess, you know, I love these cases and I think a lot of clinicians really love these cases as well because you can see an immediate, oh, yeah. you can see such a difference in 24 hours Sup with these patients. Super um, rewarding. Yeah. But for technicians, what I tell technicians is use the time that the animal is simmering on its drugs to really get everything together. And don't forget about your calcium gluconate and your insulin. Just always have that ready and available. So when you run that blood work, if you happen to see a potassium of, I don't know, 10, you're ready to go with some intervention. Cool. That's so awesome. Uh, we talked at the very beginning about anesthesia nerds. Tasha, what are your, uh, do you have favorite anesthesia resources online outside of anesthesia nerds? Oh, yeah. So I think that, pun intended, the Think Anesthesia website is actually a really, really great website. And it offers a lot of free resources. So if you are thinking about getting some CE and you don't have it in your CE budget to actually go to a conference or even sign up for a webinar that may cost money, Think Anesthesia, which uh, was brought about by some of the anesthesiologists at Jurox, is a really fantastic website. They have webinars and articles on anesthesia recovery, anesthesia induction, anesthesia for rabbits, all kinds of stuff. So that, that's a really nice resource that I like. That's awesome. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. If you're on the Facebook, uh, consider checking out the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerd Group. Those guys are so great. It is awesome to see people who are passionate about a thing sharing their passion. And that is that group. Gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you soon.